0: Welcome to Overburden, the podcast for postal workers. I'm Kevin Hitchings.
1: And I'm Brandy Hughes.
0: Today we're going to continue talking about the national policies in the Constitution, Section A, which is the struggle against the employer. Um, These are all things that are super important to us because they govern how the union works and what we negotiate and really the overall principles that we're striving towards.
1: Yeah, and if you're ever having trouble understanding why the union is doing negotiating things... Uh, that maybe don't make sense to you or why things are the way they are in our collective agreements, this can really shed some light on that and to help you understand um, the rationale behind those struggles.
0: Yeah, sometimes uh, little pieces seem odd by themselves. but you look at the greater goal, you can see what we're going towards. And there's some important things in there. Okay, well, let's jump back into the policies. Here's probably the shortest one in the book uh, is A13. The union opposes the principle of job sharing. Um, A few mixed feelings on this one. I do. In general, it's good to oppose job sharing. The employer can use that as a, as a wedge and call you part-time and play one person against the other. But there are times where it would really help someone's work-life balance to job share, especially when you have two people that can be flexible without set schedules kind of thing. So I understand why you would want it on sometimes, and I'm, I'm sure this one probably had a lot of debate when they entered it in. But in general, um, there's a lot of things that corporation could use, and a corporation like this, who has a history of pitting one worker against the other, um, I can see why it's in here. It can be very problematic, especially in certain cities or regions where you have a, a manager who's a real tyrant, can cause a lot of problems with this.
1: I had this one explained to me in detail. Four years ago when i asked about job sharing because i uh, i was i was considering coming back from mat leave or parental leave i guess and there were a number of other women at our depot who had gone on mat leave around the same time and there was another one who like me was considering coming back to work but didn't really want to work five days a week uh, because we, we still wanted the time with our children um but we didn't We didn't want to stay out of the workforce, you know, it's kind of like we wanted to work, but we didn't want to work full time. And I guess we could have gone for a part-time position, but there aren't a lot of part-time letter carrier jobs out at our depot anyway. So, you know, we kind of talked about it. We talked to management, we talked to the union, and this was why it didn't go any further than that. It was a slippery (laughs)
0: slope, like you say. The The employer allows people, they'll start pushing people to do it, and then they'll start abusing it. And you just know it's going to be problematic, although... For some people, it would be really convenient for a while as a whole. Yeah. And that's what the collective agreement and the unionism is really about, it's about the whole. So it's. Yeah.
1: I, I still feel like it would be. It would have been nice to be able to have that as an option uh, in addition to the five years of unpaid childcare leave. Yeah. It would have been nice to have that as an option in those five years. But um, I understand the slippery slope argument that it's just too risky.
0: Yeah, I can definitely see why it's in here. Technological change is something that's mentioned in the collector agreement as well. Um, We, of course, acknowledge that technology is going to happen, it's impossible to stop. Mm -hmm. But this is a a pretty detailed one, Um, two and a half pages. Uh, just about limiting the impacts of it and making sure that it doesn't take too many jobs away and that uh, we do things to combat the effects of the technology on the employees.
1: Yeah, it it speaks to uh, the employer's requirement to uh, tell us about the possible risks to the employees. Um,
0: Yeah. I said employees and now you're saying it. I hate that word. Yeah, me too. (laughs) Employees. um, union members. union members are membership. (laughs) Uh, an employer, when you go back to the root of the word, is someone who uses an employee as mm-hmm. someone who is used.
1: Or being used,
0: yeah. So it's kind of a derogatory term, and it's it's kind of something that's been around for so long. It's hard not to let it slip out once in a while. But I always take myself every time I say that.
1: Um, I also really like the um, the the goals or um, that they call them the natural benefits to the members. The the goal of having a thirty hour work week with full pay, Um, the option of early and uh, fully compensated retirement.
0: Uh, Yeah, this is if technology takes some of your work away, you should be able to not lose pay because of it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's just they they all sound like such lovely ideas, you know. This is something
0: a lot of people have been toying with lately. Um, I know Bill Gates was even talking about it for a while, where they were saying every time a machine... Gets uh, takes a job away, then you should have to pay an employee a maybe not a full wage, but you know be that machine's caretaker kind of thing, and maybe they only come in once a year to maintain it, but they should get a full salary for it, you mm-hmm. know. Um, or in the very least, uh, that I can't see ever happening. But what a lot of uh, governments are thinking of right now for the long term future, plants go fully automated and say they take away five hundred jobs because of that. They may not be paying 500 wages, but they should be paying 500 taxes because the government always wants their own money, of course. Um, oh. and that takes away a bit of the incentive. And then eventually, the idea would be that corporations would be paying taxes on all these robotic workers, and the government could use that money to um, provide for the people. So people wouldn't to need to work anymore. And then we just need transporters and warp drives, and we're Star Trek.
1: Universal base. Wage, there's another term for it.
0: Universal base income. There you go. Yeah, so if the corporations pay taxes on machines that took our jobs, then the governments can use that money to provide a universal standard of living for everyone.
1: Nice.
0: And then we have our utopian future.
1: I also like the little bit at the end of um, Part C of this one that says that the union will demand the right to veto proposed technical technical, logical changes. <laughs> it's, it sounds nice.
0: Um, reclassification. This is one where we oppose the idea of the corporation tweaking someone's job description. We see this in a lot of other businesses. They'll tweak someone's job description and then say, okay, you're no longer this, therefore you're this, and we're going to cut your pay in half. You know. Mm. So we don't want to allow reclassification at all. Once you're a leather carrier, you're a letter carrier. Once you're a PL4, you're a PL4. Um, but we don't want things them to get in the habit of being able to change things. Because, again, it's slippery slope, even if we allow it. You
1: know. I wonder if this goes back to the... Do you remember watching that uh, the video about the 1965... Memory and Muscle? Yeah. And uh, they were talking about... They brought in these machines, and so the the sortation work was no longer considered to be as um, skilled labor.
0: Right, they were keying things in.
1: Yeah, um, and that was the argument for paying them less and... And
0: uh, And for abusing women. They brought in more women to do that job because it was low-skilled and they can handle it, therefore (laughs) less money. Women are less skilled, right, right. (laughs) Yeah, so I would... It doesn't say... It would be interesting if they put dates of when these became... Uh, part of the Constitution, they just put a year in there. It would really add a lot of context, I think. But I'm imagining that this one came in because of that. It's I think they're in order of when they were introduced, and it's that was number 15, so I don't think it's one of the first ones. But uh, it would have been fairly early still.
1: Yeah. I suppose a person could go back and look at the previous Constitutions, but that sounds like a lot of...
0: A lot of work. Reading. So Surveillance and Individual Work Measurement. Uh, this is... In our collective agreement now, so some of these things kind of remain in here as uh, legacy items, you know, or just a reminder not to let it go, Um, because we have an article in our collective agreement about not using surveillance for any kind of discipline or any kind of monitoring, and that's what A16 is. I'd say we mostly achieved this one.
1: Mm, What about all the doorbell cameras that they've been using to discipline people? The corporation didn't record it, but someone did.
0: I wouldn't, would you call that surveillance, though? Because they're not really following you.
1: You're being filmed. Hmm. Sometimes without your knowledge. I mean, I think they're pretty obvious, but some some people go, oh, I didn't even realize they had a doorbell camera.
0: Yeah, that's outside the corporation, though, and I th- think surveillance yeah. implies monitoring as opposed to just when you happen to be there. I'm not sure.
1: I'm just saying, like, I know. I I recently went to an interview where they used... Uh, a, a customer's doorbell camera to discipline
0: the employee. I'll Have to argue that at some point, I suppose. Um, yeah, and here it also states that uh, the LCRMS, the Carry route Measurement System, won't be used as a an assessment tool. So you know it
1: to determine if you're good enough at your job.
0: Yeah, every route <laughs> is built to be exactly eight hours to the minute, and they measure every inch you, every step you take, and every stair and every door, and everything. So. But it also recognizes that everyone's different. We mm-hmm. could be walking the exact same distance, but if one person's six foot eight and one person's five foot two, they're not going to be moving that at the exact same speed.
1: Oh yeah, the, the all roots are created equal thing has always kind of made me laugh. Because if all the roots are equal, why does it matter which route you're doing? Why would anyone care about seniority if all the roots are equal? Right? It would just be like, Oh yeah, whatever, roots are root But that that is totally not how we Yeah, we, we know see that's it. not the case. Yeah, they're not the same.
0: So acting management and management courses, uh, we don't take part in management training. Uh, They used to offer these courses to employees for people that wanted to, quote unquote, move up. um, And offer things to basically to undermine us and to divide us.
1: Mm -hmm. They Uh, still really enjoy snagging union members to come over to management. It seems to be a... Uh, something that thrills them, yeah, and they're
0: allowed to do that over peak season without penalty, which is unfortunate, mm-hmm. but uh but yeah, we don't bring them to our training, obviously, and we don't go to theirs. There are a few joint things like uh health and safety training, yep, but those are exceptions uh generally, we keep everything separate
1: but those joint ones those are um the course is built uh with both parties having input like it 's not created by either corporation or the union it's created um
0: well they're not union courses and they're not management courses they're joint courses right right and those are approved at a national level i believe all of them same thing with publications um we don't put our stuff into management newsletters and we definitely don't invite them to contribute to ours
1: they will never be we will never interview any management on this show i swear it (laughs) right? All right. (laughs) Okay, good. Um, This one, it kind of gets tricky, though, because uh, I know I have personally had management ask me to speak to the floor on various issues. And I've always taken the the tack that, okay, I will speak to them, but I will write what I'm saying, and I will control what I'm saying and how I say it. Because I'm not going to just read their spiel. I'm not going to be their puppet
0: i haven't done anything in a floor talk in a long time um but there's a couple times where they said do you want to speak this in the floor talk and i'd say yeah but i'm saying my thing i'm not saying this crap
1: yeah i'll respond to what you say yeah (laughs) you won't like it but but i will respond (laughs) thank you for giving me the floor (laughs) yeah
0: and i'll i've never done it i don't believe in the middle of theirs either it's like and i've told this before too it's like i will have my own separate floor talk after you're done mm-hmm. but uh you may not like what i'm gonna say
1: honestly that last time that i uh when they asked me to speak about mental health i really expected them to walk me
0: out yeah this used to be something the local here encouraged was that whenever they have a floor talk you should get in there and talk to and make sure you do something separate and opposing or Don't let them steal credit for our work and things like that. But uh, the last couple of years, I think it is better just to stay out of them all together. Um, Unless you have something really you need to debunk if they're up there spreading BS or something. Something uh, a little more confrontational, I guess.
1: Oh, yeah. There are some times where you just can't can't quietly sit by while they lie to us all. (laughs) I'll
0: I'll usually just heckle from my case, though. I'm not getting up in front of the floor anymore. Yeah, I like
1: heckling. Heckling is fun. Uh, employee, employer surveys, they send these out at least once a year, don't they? The, the surveys about how do you feel about this and how do you feel yeah, about Yeah, every this? holiday
0: season of the last few, and there could yeah. have been other ones.
1: And I know that some people fill them out and they send them in, but um, I think most of us don't.
0: They claim they had a huge... I can't remember the exact percentage. They claim they have a high percentage, but it seems unrealistically high. Um, the problem with these is... Things are worded so that they can twist them, Mm -hmm. you know? Uh, Every company does this kind of thing. Uh, I worked for a company one time. They needed to get their customer satisfaction skill or rating up. And uh, they needed 65% to maintain their contracts, and they had never cleared 50. And I was there within three weeks, I think. I had them at 75% just by training the staff to word things to their customers different so that it triggered when it came up in the uh, survey, you know? Uh, And it's very easy to manipulate things like this. Um, I think I was there a total of six months. I took them from never getting above 50 in I think six years to uh, 98% in six months. So it's very easy to manipulate. And that's not even changing the survey. That's just changing the way people presented the survey to the customers kind of thing. So
1: well, the way you ask a question can encourage people to answer in a positive way or in a negative way, right? right?
0: And I've looked at these before. I think there's, I can't remember, 70 or 80 questions. And then when they give you the summary that they mail out, they have it into 20 groups. You know, how are they grouping those? And are they cherry picking? And there's all kinds of ways to manipulate it. So just stay the heck out of it is the best thing to do, I guess. Um, they're going to manipulate it anyway. Why help them? The higher the percentages, the more they can, you know, claim their data is accurate. So... Just stay away from them.
1: It's always amused me when they give you the results and they say that, you know, 80% of us feel that we're being valued and that our workplaces are positive. Not in our (laughs) depot. Yeah, and it's just like, who are you talking to? Because we feel like we're just being used, you know, (laughs) like that they don't give a crap about us. I know a
0: couple (laughs) of years ago they were going around asking people, make sure you fill this survey. Make sure, what about me? And they're like, never mind. You know,
1: I don't want to hear what you have to say. You're too negative.
0: Yeah, it's another way they can (laughs) manipulate data, you know. They really push the the keeners and the people they think, yeah. Yeah,
1: only those people who acted as management in the last uh, peak season. Mm.
0: (laughs) It's another obvious one, layoffs, of course. We oppose layoffs in any way. Um, Or service reductions is the next one after that. Uh, We want to keep service high, jobs high, and keep everyone employed.
1: Um, Is that where they, yeah, this is where they talk about... um, not closing post offices, uh, not uh, maintaining that every, every address in Canada basically has to have a means to get mail delivered to them free of charge. So if you can't get door-to-door service, you're entitled to a free, minimal-sized post office box. Um, you can't have the large one, you have to pay extra for that, but you can have the basic one that holds some letters and a few magazines because it's, it, it's required that they have to provide mail service to your place of
0: residence. Universal seniority is another principle in the policies here. We don't allow you know, your seniority in the plant to be different than your sub- seniority as a letter carrier, different than your seniority as a MSC. It's all one big group. Once you're in, you're in, and it starts from there.
1: Unless we, you're management.
0: Unless you're management, <laughs> then we take it away. Um, <laughs> And that's one of the major reasons we need to get the RSMC and the Urban Collector Agreement merged.
1: So that this
0: so there's universal seniority. seniority. I know a lot of RSMC's are kind of uh, around here anyway, have a little uh, theory of that, because they think if we merge seniority, we're all of a sudden going to jump and take their jobs and stuff. But, you know, it goes... Some people might. Some people might, and that's, you know, people bid within their classifications and things like that. You'd have to bid in, in the first place. It's not like we can just kick them all out. And uh, it would provide a lot of flexibility for SMCs too, because some people their conditions change and they may not always want to be out on the street. They may want to you know, a,
1: to move into a the plant.
0: job in the plant, or something like that. It it would, it would work both ways.
1: That's true. It uh, it does seem like there's a lot more options right now for people in the urban operations group to like. It happens all the time that people um, get injured, and then uh, people are injured.
0: Typically, when uh, groups outside CPW or whatever uh, merge two units together, they tend to agree on seniority rules and then keep the bidding separate for a few years anyway, just as kind of a transition period. Hmm. So even if we did merge, uh, of course, no one can say how it would be, but it's likely that there'd be a uh, probably four years because that's how long our collective agreements are a gap before we could bid across anyway. I think so we'd have to bid into vacancies. You can't just, as a letter carrier, instantly kick someone out of the plant. You know?
1: Well, just like it is now. I mean, if you want to go um, become an MSC, you have to wait for a vacancy. You can't just say, hey, I have yeah. more seniority than you. Give me your job. You know? But that's all
0: theoretical. <laughs> it hasn't happened yet, obviously. But something we're working towards is a universal seniority uh, across the board.
1: So A23 is entitled seniority, and it says that a union... Uh, Believes that any union member who crosses a picket line authorized by the union should lose their seniority. Um, I don't know if that's really used all
0: the time. It'd have to be pretty, it would have to be our own picket line, um, not just a picket line. I know earlier we talked about all picket lines being respected, um, but if you cross our picket line, um,
1: I I think it would be. If you act as a scab during a time of strike, yes. Yeah.
0: And, uh, I think for other picket lines, the way this is worded, it, uh, technically would count, but I think you'd have to have a lot of warnings on that, you know, uh, you kind of, when Saskatoon, we had that co-op strike, um, people weren't losing their seniority for gassing up once. No,
1: they or were kind of getting.
0: Called out a know, little bit. Finger bagged. Finger wagged. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but you know, how could you do that? Don't you, don't you support them?
0: The next one is affirmative action. The CUPW calls upon the employer to implement an affirmative action program enabling racially visible persons, Aboriginal peoples, uh, the differently abled, and women access to full employment.
1: I think you know you want to say that this is that we've accomplished this and everything, but it's pretty obvious that we haven't. When you look at the when you look at the breakdown of the people you see at work.
0: Well, that's an ongoing thing, and you always got to be worried about backsliding too. Yeah. Um, And like I say, some of these policies are here, uh, even though if we have accomplished something, they're here to remind us of what we accomplished. Yes. You know, and also to prevent backsliding. We want to be wary that this never happens again.
1: I find that, like, I mean, I've only been at the post office for 14 years and I find that there are more women, uh, like the ratio of men to women is is more equal now than it was even 14 years ago, at least
0: in our depot. Um, And for letter carriers too, they're not, into classifications before like if you go way back to 65 the women were dad entry the i don't think you saw a whole lot walking the streets if any
1: right yeah it was pretty it was really rare i think even even in the the 80s
0: yeah so not just as an employment pool but in each classification there's diversity now yeah. deregulation and privatization i think it's pretty obvious that we oppose that but that of course is in here
1: it also speaks to the. Uh, we mentioned this in last week's episode. The the selling or gifting of shares to employees. The union is opposed to that concept. Uh, they feel that it is a weak attempt to persuade workers to support profits over uh, service or um, the well being of the workers. Yeah.
0: Yeah. If you, you if you benefit from profits, you're no longer worried about the people. You know, we want people over profits at all arm. times. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, uh, I find A twenty six interesting given the the current pandemic situation. It says that the union is opposed to home working, working from home, uh, because it's it could be used as as a way to reduce wages and uh, benefits for employees because the theory, there's less
0: and costs. isolate and divide. Right. I'm not sure how many positions you actually could work from home. I can't think of any really.
1: I know that some of the uh, office positions, like for APOC members, have been yeah for APOC
0: but kind of but again, from home. I think it's easy to forget too that uh, this constitution applies to all workers under CUPW, not just postal workers. There are private sector uh, people we represent as well. Right.
1: Um, so I don't know if any of those groups are having more work from home options.
0: I know we have uh, Transforce, a uh, delivery service in Saskatoon, here. Um, you know they have dispatch people and things like that that could probably easily work from home
1: yeah it's just it's this one is interesting because it's like contrary to the trend of this year
0: <laughs> yeah i think during a pandemic a lot of things are a little different but yeah we don't want workers isolated from the union you know, from the co-workers
1: yeah and this section also speaks to the um the perceived benefits of working from home, like the reduced transportation costs and uh, perhaps the ability to provide your own childcare. And the union feels that those are rather short-sighted because the real solution is to provide universal childcare at a, at a reasonable rate and to make transportation more affordable for everyone.
0: Next, it talks about the work measurement systems, the letter carrier measurement system and the mail service career workload structuring system. Um, and how these are used by the employer. Uh, They do define minimum staffing, so that's good. They benefit us in some ways, but we really have to be on guard to maintain and improve these um, educator members, how they work, learn how to use them, and uh, really strive to improve that system.
1: The next section is the International Labour Solidarity Fund and the union's position is that we should be negotiating for full control over the International Postal Fund that's used to support other uh, postal unions across the world.
0: I believe this refers to what is now Appendix R in the collective agreement, the International Postal Fund, and I see nothing in there that has the employer having any control over it whatsoever. Um, Does it say that we do? They pay money into it, we decide, um, and there's certain things that we're limited on, we have to. spend it in the right areas and they can end it if we don't but it doesn't say mm-hmm. so i assume we report to them in some way on how we use it but uh and there's caps on the money they contribute if we don't spend it whatnot i think it's mostly intended to say that you know if they're giving us money for this international postal fund we don't take it and use it as uh strike support or something like that you know it has to be used for what it's meant to be used for
1: Uh, Next is the reduced work time. So the concept behind this is that the union supports the reduction of full-time work week to a 32-hour work week without reducing the pay of the members, and this would create more positions, more jobs, because there would still be the same amount of work to be done, and it would require the same number of hours, but if you were only working four days a week Mm -hmm. um, instead of five you would have more time to spend with your family and uh, contribute to society in other ways.
0: It would be a cost in the corporation, but not as much because your, your health and your wear down would be greatly reduced.
1: People so. use less personal days?
0: Less personal days, uh, less uh, disability, mm-hmm. Knees get worn down and stuff. So more
1: recovery time. Yeah,
0: that's important. I wouldn't try and pretend this isn't a cost to the corporation if it ever happened, but it wouldn't be as great as you'd seen with all the 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 chaining benefits to it
1: this is interesting because like there's been a number of studies in other countries lately where they they do reduced work weeks whether it's a reduced work day or a reduced work week and they actually find that people are more productive in those hours that they're at work so they can make our routes longer uh, I don't know about that, but I'm just saying that like a lot of a lot of the times, they find that people do actually accomplish more while they're at work because they're not as distracted by their yeah. other uh, concerns.
0: So thirty is is health and safety. I don't think we need to go too much into this. Um, it's a longer one, but the title says it all: health and safety a priority for CPW. Obviously, health and safety is one of the major things we're always pushing for, and we've always been. Um, focusing on in every negotiation, uh, overburdening is part of that, of course, and this just formalizes that you know, health and safety is always a priority.
1: Yeah, and not just physical health and safety, but it also speaks to mental health and general well-being. And I know in recent years the corporation has kind of given lip service to those other things, but I feel that they're not real. Their practices don't really re- reflect. A desire to promote mental health in their employees
0: i think covid was an excellent example of that um they've definitely improved they got a long way to go but at the start of covid they're claiming oh plexiglass is too hard to get medical masks are too hard to get it's like really because every restaurant and store and the whole city easily seems to have trouble or no trouble getting plexiglass on every till in the city but we can't get it on a few registration desks You know,
1: masks. One desk per facility, basically.
0: Yeah, masks are impossible (laughs) to get, but you go to the store and you see them stacked up behind every cashier because they've got excessive amounts. And, you Mm -hmm. know, I could see we're a large corporation, I could see a little bit of a delay, but the months and months that they claimed they couldn't get it just.
1: Well, oh, even, even recently saying when when the recommendations went from the two-layer mask to the three-layer mask and they're like, oh, well, that's too expensive. We're going to run through our stock of two-layer masks before we even look into three-layer masks.
0: But they're constantly saying how super important health and safety is and how they're, do, you know, yeah. at the start, they were putting out press releases, how super important health and safety is and how they're doing everything they can to protect the staff. It's like we can't even get masks that, you know, mm-hmm. every fast food restaurant has like within a week. We didn't get it for months, you know, and but then they tried to give us those really thin, useless mm-hmm. uh, fabric ones, you know.
1: But it's not just not just the pandemic response. Like, look at the uh, the safety vest when they decided that everyone needed a yellow high vis safety vest. And at first they were all extra large. And there was no variability in the size. And they were like, that's what we have. It One size fits all. It fits everyone. And you're like, yeah, okay. But it also gets caught on things. It snags in machines. It's actually more of a hazard to wear it.
0: Yeah, here's our token and effort, go.
1: Five, five times your size, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and, and what do you know? Eventually, they started getting different sizes. but
0: uh, So, yeah, this lift service, lip service definitely does still exist. And it's something we always need to work on and monitor.
1: And here we are at the end. Uh the last section of appendix A here says that uh the union will ensure that when someone is injured uh on duty or at work the employer cannot recover any of their pay if it obviously if it's been approved by a WCB workers compensation board.
0: I know every compensation board is a little different by province, but mm-hmm. in Saskatchewan at least if you are paid workers' compensation benefits and they decide to deny your claim, your money that they're paying you stops, but they do not claw it back unless they find out there's been fraud. Right. Right. If they find out you claimed it, but then just didn't qualify, the money you've already been paid, you keep. But our employer claws it back anyway.
1: Yeah. they try. Yeah. And that always kind of flores me because it's like, there's no reason for you to claw it back. if WCB is not clawing it back from the employer, so why are they clawing it back from us?
0: Yeah, which is why they challenge every every injury we get.
1: Yeah, health and safety is important because it gives us an opportunity to scan the system and make money off of people being injured when we don't do our due
0: diligence
1: to prevent injuries.
0: So that's the fight against (laughs) the employer in the uh, policy section of the Constitution. Again, these govern everything the union is about and how we negotiate all our contracts and hopefully what we can look forward to in the future
1: and we should be we should be using them every day we should be using them every time we go to work every time we speak to our supervisors
0: something to keep in mind yeah we -hmm. could be walking the exact same distance but if one person's six foot eight and one person is five foot two they're not going to be moving that at the exact same speed
1: was that a dig (laughs) <laughs> the five foot two
0: you'd call it an energy no no